B-Pod Studios. The Felger and Maz podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. To me, the whole thing with the finger under between the legs, antiquated, archaic, and weird. I mean, the whole thing is freaking silly. It's Felger and Maz, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. The plan was the plan. I thought it was so strange that the story emerged as Gerard Mayo being a very viable candidate for the job. I think this was from NFL Media. He is a very viable candidate because they have a contract already in place. It's like, well, wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on, Ian. If the contract's already in place, he's already got the job. He's not a candidate. You're going to have to write him a massive check to buy him out. You have promised him the job in advance to just even have a search that would include him and Mike Vrabel and anyone else. You've got to buy this guy out. So they made the decision that Mayo was the guy, and they reduced it to writing, and they were going to owe him, and I don't know what the number is, but it would have been something at least in the seven figures, maybe low eight figures, I don't know, but they would have owed him a lot of money if they didn't give him the job because there had been this presumption it was going to be Mayo, and at some point during the season, it felt like, is this so bad that they have to clean out everybody, that anyone with any connection to Belichick has to go, and it's going to be a hard reset, everyone out, and we're going to start from scratch. And they decided not to do it. And one of the business reasons, surely, is we've already made this commitment to Gerard Mayo. When you're listing the pros and cons, one of the cons of a hard reset is we got to pay this guy a bunch of money to not take the job that we've already promised to him. All right, a couple important details have come out in the last 24 hours about the Patriots staff. That's one of them. That not just was Gerard Mayo promised the head coaching job in writing, but that if they didn't give it to him, they were going to owe him a buyout. So not only are they paying off Belichick probably, 20 to $25 million, they would have had to add on Gerard Mayo's money on top of it. And is that informing our decision on why they just went with Gerard Mayo, didn't even talk to anybody? Is this why it looks like the staff, the rest of the staff, is, um, well, really affordable is one way to say it, because on the cheap is the other. Uh, Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal joins us back in our Town Fair Terry Studios in Waltham for a Big Boy Wednesday. We're going to do a couple hours here with Greg. Are you there, Greg? I am here. Okay, let me just do a real quick uh, sponsors. Our coverage on Radio Row is presented by Deanne Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip, but choosing your move day winner is a sure bet when you move with Deanne Van Lines. This hourly sponsor is Jack Pocket. I want to thank Jack Pocket again for sponsoring the 3 o'clock hour here on Felger and Maz. The 2 o'clock sponsor was Smith and Walensky. Greg Bedard of the Boston Sports Journal. What do you know about this supposed Gerard Mayo buyout? So the rumor down in Mobile was that the buyout for Gerard Mayo was $10 million. <laughs> now, I'm just saying that's just the rumor. I don't have it fact-based, anything. But that was the rumor among NFL people that the reason that they went with Mayo and they didn't look, they didn't open up anything, head coach or GM, and I think Maz was asking the question, like, does this pertain to Wolf? I don't know. But that that there was a $10 million buyout for Gerard Mayo's contract. Well, I mean, that's a whopper. So it, just to jump ahead quickly, Elliot Wolf looks like he's assumed GM duties, and we'll get into this coming up. But Maz asked the same question. Was there language in his contract similar to that of Mayo, and that's why we got Elliot Wolf and no GM search? I mean, it, I wonder. It's I mean, certainly ahead, a valid question. I mean, considering he, you have Gerard Mayo, who didn't interview anyplace else. You have Elliot Wolf, who didn't interview any place else. Normally, 
and I don't know. Maybe maybe Elliot Wolf has fallen off the map for other teams, and he wasn't requested by anybody. But normally, when you have a transition period, you look for other jobs. You see what's out there, and that both of those guys didn't talk to anybody else, to our knowledge. It makes you wonder: Did both of them have contracts that stipulated they would be the next guy with buyouts? I mean, what what is this? Yeah, what is going? I on? mean, talk about I, I, Gerard Mayo seems like a fine guy I, everyone who interacted with him speaks highly of him i get it but was it is this such a can't miss hot rising prospect in the nfl that you've got to promise him the job and give him a 10 million dollar buyout like what am i missing here greg what, what th- this doesn't add up it, no it, it completely per- perplexes me that they would go this route that they you know gerard mayo who didn't have a contract offer from anybody to be a head coach that you would you would put a, a let's just call it at least a major buyout clause in his contract I mean who were they bidding against Jesus. I mean if they were doing this for a player if the, we would rip them for it and you know I'd be I would be interested in a Jimmy poll if you pulled people right now and you said you know given where the Patriots are right now would you rather have Bill Belichick and say Josh McDaniels still in power, or do you want this new alignment for the Patriots? I don't know how many people would sign up for the new alignment. You could have Belichick and McDaniels, or Mayo, Alex Van Pelt, Ben McAdoo, and Demarcus Covington. If Jimmy puts up that poll, it's going to be ninety ten in favor of Belichick McDaniels. I mean, this new regime. It was time to move on. I'm all for moving on. I mean, it's actually a tough question, but I lean Bill McDaniels. But the way it's gone, like I, I didn't bargain for this. And from day one, the thing has smelled to me. I, I just, underwhelming is the word I've used. It's gone from underwhelming to, I think it's flat out stinks. How about, uh, okay, the staff now, Greg, uh, Alex Van Pelt, Ben McAdoo. I guess they're going to bring in the quarterback coach who was the tight end coach in Cleveland. Uh, it's been reported that Elliot Wolf is basically assuming GM duties and final say over the 53. They've hired, uh, is it Alonzo Highsmith? Yep. Yeah, from Miami. The running back. The former UM uh, running back who was working with the football department down there. He was also with Elliott Wolf in Green Bay, I guess, for some time. Your thoughts on all of this staffing? Okay, I'm going to separate it into into the personnel department and the coaching staff. Um, I love the alignment of the the personnel department. I mean, if you could have told me before that, okay, Bill Belichick is going to stay, but Elliott Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, Pat Stewart, Matt Groh are going to be the personnel department. They're going to make the decisions. Bill's just going to coach the team. I would have signed up for that in two seconds. I think the world of Elliott Wolf, these are guys, and Alonzo Highsmith. I talked to John Schneider, the Seahawks GM, earlier in the day about this. And Alonzo Highsmith, after he was let go in Cleveland, they were all let go uh, under John Dorsey. It was it was Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith were under John Dorsey in Cleveland when um, – when Alonzo Highsmith got let go, he, he was, for three years, he was a personnel executive with the Seahawks uh, under John Snyder. And John said he could have stayed. Uh, he ended up going back to the University of Miami and becoming a general manager, basically a showpiece for Mario Cristobal's regime. But Alonzo Highsmith has a tremendous uh, reputation around the league. John Snyder said he is at his best, sort of bridging the gap between the front office and the coaching staff. He's sort of Mr. Fix-It. He, he does a lot of stuff with the players, players who are underachieving. He's able to, to help the coaching staff reach certain players. He has a great eye for talent. I think Elliot Wolf 
should have been a GM years ago. So I and Pat Stewart has been with the Eagles, has been with the the Panthers. Uh, all of these guys have tremendous connections. They're they're really good at their job. Now the coaching staff in a vacuum, I like these guys, but in terms of resetting and setting a course for a franchise, this would not be my first choice. I don't think it was the Patriots' first choice. Alex Van Pelt was the 12th interview and the 12th hire. If you want somebody, if you're a head coaching candidate and you you have a vision for what your team's going to look like, you don't hire the 12th guy. You hire the first or second or third guy you bring in. So uh, the coaching staff is is underwhelming if you're Gerard Mayo. What about Ben McAdoo? I like McAdoo. I know you don't. I know, you know, you, you, you give in to, you like the narratives, the, you know, his appearances. I think he's really good at his job. He was really good at his job in Green Bay. He helped turn Eli Manning around when he was offensive coordinator of the Giants. The head coaching stint did not go great. There's no question about that. Uh, he had, People rave about his eye for talent. You guys talked about it yesterday. Uh, he wanted the Giants to trade up for Mahomes. He ranked Allen and Lamar Jackson 1-2 in the draft in 2018. Um, how, how do I have a hard time believing that, Greg? Where does that come this, from? This is all reported at the time. It's not yeah, hindsight. Cool. It's not right now. It was reported at the time that the Giants were interested in trading up. The, the, the Chiefs just had a better offer, a better package for it. And that was at, Mac, at McAdoo's behest? Yeah, McAdoo, McAdoo was out there scouting at the pro day in charge of the quarterbacks all that so why has he not been for all intents and purposes gainfully employed for five years now six years i would say he has a strong personality that maybe doesn't rub people uh some people the right way he's just he's a strong personality if Um, you were in on patrick mahomes i don't care if you're a till of the hunt i don't care if you're the worst pro i don't care where you know what you're doing i want you in my operation to find me the next patrick mahomes if so if he was in on Mahomes, how's he sitting there with the Schmenzer in his hand for pretty much five years? I, I think it's just it's just timing and guys taking jobs. I mean, when he took the job, he took the job with the Jaguars. Doug Marone got fired. Uh, he took the job with the Panthers. Matt Rule got fired. I mean, sometimes that happens in any profession where you just pick the wrong job. Okay, you could all say he got fired. You know, he was they got fired. All of them. Part, okay, part of those staffs that got fired. I mean, so it's like, you know, it's like he wasn't, he got fired. What does it tell you that he's free? And again, this is something I've been asking from day one, but good job by Karen Garijan of Mass Live, who sort of dug it out that, according to sources, that the Carolina Panthers signed him to a three year contract in 2022. This is the third year of that contract, and thus he is being paid by the Carolina Panthers. If the Patriots had to pay for him, do you think he'd even be here? I don't know the answer to that question. But I will say this, Mike. I will say this. There's no question. We, we speculate on this show, Greg. <laughs> there's no there's no question that all of these guys, like their offensive staff, these are guys who didn't have any other options. We're looking for places to work, and this is sort of like the island of misfit toys on offense. Now, that doesn't preclude it from, from working, but do you think, do you think Gerard Mayo – when he when he dreamed about being a head coach, was like, oh yeah, I'm going to get Alex Van Pelt as my offense. He probably didn't even know who the hell Alex Van Pelt was before Elliot Wolf presented it to him, with good reason. Yeah. Do you think that, do you think this all goes back to Mayo, Greg? Absolutely. I, 
I think that the Crafts and Mayo have ownership, but I think I heard you on one of the shows yesterday uh, say that Mayo's been set up to fail. Don't let him off the hook. He wanted this job. He didn't have to take this job. He could have said, I'm not ready for it, like other people, like Ben Johnson, have said. He wanted this job. He's been trying to get a head coaching job since his second year as an assistant coach with the Patriots, planning stories in the Houston Chronicle right after Billy O'Brien had got let go. He's wanted this job. It's on him. At the end of the day, whether this works, his coaching staff works, his offense works, it's on him. It, it, that has nothing to do with the Crafts other than the Crafts put him in position and and are gladly just so, elevating him. It's it's At the end of the day, this is Ger- Gerard Mayo was the head coach of the New England Patriots. What happens this, co- on the coaching staff is hers, his purview. I love this take. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think it's a fair point. It, it, Mayo knew he was the next guy. He knew it from whenever he signed that deal, so it's at least a year ago. Mm-hmm. If, if not before then, he knew. They, they bonded on the trip to Israel, whatever. He's known for a long time. You're telling me in that time you couldn't start to network and put together people that you liked? It's a great take. And, you know, the, the offenses that you liked or the coaches that you liked to coach those offenses, you're in the league, you're coaching, you're out there on the field every Sunday, and you knew you were the next in line. You had all this time to network, think about it, plan your vision, get something in place. And then you become head coach, and you sit there and you go, uh, 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 I, I'm not sure, Elliot, what should we do? And Elliot Wolf just brings together his old guys from Green Bay. That's what that's on Gerard Mayo. It's a good point. So and I had forgotten about the Houston thing. Like, I, what was he, in the league two years at that time? I, I remember when that happened that we all went, What? They were already considering Gerard Mayo a head coaching candidate. And Greg had said at the time, too, with the story, exactly what he said now, that the story had been leaked and that Mayo had, Mayo's camp had leaked it because they were trying to get leverage and get his name out there as a head coaching candidate already. When you factor all of that in, he couldn't be more right. It's 100, I shouldn't say 100%, but there's a lot on Mayo for not being ready to go when he finally got the job. And, and Tony, from talking to people around the league, uh, they are quick to point out, like, you know, make sure part of the discussion is people people not uh, not necessarily wanting to come for Gerard Mayo and what the crafts are, are paying them. That that a lot of these guys after the interview were like, no, that's that's not a good situation for me. And along with the, the rumors out there that the crafts wouldn't pay the freight on Nick Cayley's contract. And the other thing I wanted to say about Gerard Mayo, I mean. He is a he is basically what a co-defensive coordinator he was with Steve Belichick, and he's in meetings with with Bill Belichick. He's game planning against all these offenses. That's where normally these defensive coordinators get the next guy that they hire as their offensive coordinator. And are you telling me that the Patriots beating St- Kevin Stefanski's offense forty-five to seven and thirty-eight fifteen? That's when Gerard Mayo said, "Yeah, I want to I want to hire Alex Van Pelt, the guy coordinating that offense." <laughs> It's bad. It's bad. It's, it's like Mayo, not, a, not a good deal what's going on The here. coaching staff blows. But it's like Mayo only cared about getting the title, and now that he has it, it's like, oh, i got to do all this other stuff. Okay, we got a break. We'll be back with Greg right after these words from the Super Bowl. And Vin- the stars come out for Radio Row Week. It's Felder and Maz, live from the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas. Presented by DN Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip. Choosing your move day winner is a sure bet with DN Van Lines on 98.5 The Sports Hub. 
So first of all, are they still going to do the thing where they're the only team that doesn't have a GM? What, why do they? What, well, for now, has, yeah. But somebody has explained to me, why do they have to show that they're smarter than everybody else? We're, we're not going to hire a traditional GM. Like, why are we still doing the thing where it's like we can show that we don't need to do things the way everybody else does? It? But here's my here's my frustration. <laughs> why would you not interview other people before you give the job to Gerard Mayo? Why would you not? I don't know. It Mark, makes, I you're, no you're, you're getting a free role at having people like it's like any other business, right? I have small businesses. You know, myfrontpagestory.com. If I could get, like, experts to come in, free consultants. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a free consulting two-hour session where they just tell you everything they think about your business. You're not going to take that? You're not going to take that opportunity? And by the way, even if you still go with Gerard, and they knew they were going to go with Gerard, why not interview six other people, learn more about what people think of the Patriots, and, and, and yeah. then say, and then say, you know what? We met with some really good candidates, but Gerard's still the best guy. I think they, and did they didn't a, even do that. They did a disservice to him by not Correct. going through that process. And here's the other thing. Everybody raves about Gerard, and I know he's not Belichick, and that's great. He's only ever been in New England. How many teams did you play for? Uh, three, technically. Okay, so I played for five teams. It's a lot Two. different other <laughs> places, right? Like, I'm just shocked that not only would they not interview anybody else, but the guy that they're hiring, he's never even been any. He only knows the quote-unquote Patriot way. So Ross Tucker on with uh, Zolak and Bertrand yesterday. He had some good stuff. Ross Tucker was good. I thought it was great, and it's an excellent point, because every time one of these Belichick coaches goes and coaches somewhere else, what happens? They suck, because all they know is the Belichick way, which doesn't work. In many cases, okay, but, this one, it worked. It worked here. And so I think Ross was speaking before. This has sort of come out about the Gerard Mayo buyout. It might have been as much as $10 million. You know, it's – but still, the Pats still, they didn't – you can still keep Gerard Mayo and talk to other people. So uh, it feels just a big miss and uh, really disappointing, I think, how they've gone about rebuilding the staff here post Belichick. Greg Bedard joins us from our Town Fair Terry Studios back in Waltham. We're here in Vegas on Radio Row. Uh, Want to take some phones here, big boy? Sure. Let's do it. Andrew in Foxborough. Go ahead, Andrew. Lead us off. Yeah, so this really speaks to how far the paths have fallen, and I have to phrase it like this. And I want to also say I have no real expectations for next year, but the Houston Texans last year kind of have a lot of similarity to the paths of this year with new young defensive head coach hired right after a really bad season at the top of the draft. They went ahead and picked three rookie studs, who are three pieces that really help bring them to the playoffs. So, like, other than bad draft selections, is there any reason the Pats can't try and be like the Texans from last year, especially since, like, according to the scouts and the crafts, Bill was the big reason the draft has sucked the past few years. So, go ahead, Greg, your that's, thoughts on that. Can they be the Texans? That's a popular sentiment, and, and people like to bring it up. I, and, and I'm not going to rule it out, but what people underestimate is that the Texans already had a lot of pieces in place, including Tunsil at left tackle, Nico Collins. Uh, they had running backs. So, you know, it wasn't a one-year rebuild. They had started the rebuild from the bottom, and last year was sort of the icing on the cake. Yeah, and as it relates to the staff thing that we're talking about, D'Amico Ryans came in with an offensive coordinator that he vetted, he knew, he worked with. It was a unified plan. Slowick. I'm coming in. I got Bobby Slowick. I know this guy. I've worked with this guy. It's the offense that I want to run. He's going to, you know, and it's like 
the completely opposite of what happened here. Correct. And what? now, obviously, C.J. Stroud's the most important part of that whole thing. And if a, a talent like that drops into your lap at number three, maybe a lot of these other things will go away. But D'Amico Ryan's had a clue. You know, he had an idea going in there, and it doesn't feel like they did here, Greg. Yeah, no question. And, and again, like, I'm not precluding these guys, especially the offensive coaching staff, from being successful because at least they're – at least they're in alignment. They all have familiarity with what they're doing. You know, it's not like Bill's offensive coaching staff when it's like Bill O'Brien's the offensive coordinator. He only gets to bring one assistant coach. They hire Adrian Clem. Like, that's not going on. So the Patriots will probably be better off just on that. But you still can't deny the fact that basically the offensive coaching staff that they're putting together are a bunch of guys who were on the street. I mean, Alex Van Pelt got fired in Cleveland. Ben McAdoo got fired in Carolina. The offensive line coach that they just hired, Adam Peters, got passed over in Cleveland for Andy Dickerson, who the Patriots wanted to hire immediately. It was one of the first names that we heard. Alex Van Pelt is hired. Mike Reese, others reported. Andy Dickerson is the favorite to be the offensive line coach. Guess what? He didn't come here. He went to Cleveland, and the guy that Cleveland didn't want is now here. T.C. McCartney is now the quarterback's coach. He got passed over in Cleveland for Tommy Reese on that staff coming from college ball to be the quarterback's coach. Why couldn't he have been the quarterback's coach in Cleveland? Now he's got to come here and do that. So you look at this and you're just like, you know, what, what are they shopping from? What aisle are they shopping they got, from? Dollar store? They got, re- they got rejects. I was going to say they got the Browns sloppy seconds. Yeah, they got the rejects. Browns. They're Cleveland. The Browns. No, not even. We got Cleveland's rejects. Correct. That's what I mean. Yeah. We're not even Cleveland. Those are real sloppy seconds. We're sub. Can you imagine? Oh, God. The hogging that you're doing (laughs) if you're picking up from Cleveland? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, that's right. Cleveland. America's armpit. Big Jim Murray's got you updated. America's septic tank. And we're right back. Don't go anywhere. Their radio road broadcasts are legend. What a. Disaster. It's Felger and Maz, live from the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas. Presented by DM Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip. Choosing your move day winner is a sure bet with DM Van Lines. 98.5 The Sports Hub. When I ask you, uh, you say quarterback, is that you saying that? Or is that what you glean from the organization? I I think that they're – I've been told that Jonathan really wants a quarterback. And I think, <laughs> and I think Gerard Mayo um, – uh, you know, was, is probably leaning in that direction. I mean, and they need one, and they've never had this opportunity to get one this high since Drew Bledsoe so thirty years ago. You're saying director of player personnel Jonathan Kraft is leaning quarterback? Well, I <laughs> I do tend to think show. I do tend to think he might have his finger on the button with that particular pick. How do we feel about that? Well, we'll see. Uh, I, I guess the the proof will be in the pudding. I guess uh, it, it feels to be. Common, more common now across the NFL, where you're. I think you're seeing teams going away from the all-powerful footballs are. It's Ben Volan of the Boston Globe on yesterday, and he says Pats are leaning number three quarterback. Jonathan wants a quarterback at number three. That's where that's coming from. I have no idea if Volan's right or not, but it makes sense to me. That that would be the thing, that if Elliot Wolf gets the job, well, okay, it's Elliot Wolf because the Crafts have empowered him and the Crafts want a certain something, and that's what that's where that it's not an Elliot Wolf thing, it's a craft thing. Like that's that to me makes more sense than Elliot Wolf making that call, even if he has final say on the fifty three. Mm-hmm. On that pick, the owner's gonna have to be on board. All right. 
But that's where they're leaning. Greg, what are you hearing? What do you think? Where do you think we stand today with the Patriots at number three? It's way too early for that. I mean, look, they're just getting the front office in alignment. They're just getting the coaching staff in alignment. They will study these guys. And, you know, Elliot Wolf, Alonzo Highsmith, Pat Stewart, Matt Groh, Alex Van Pelt, uh, Ben McAdoo, and T.C. McCartney, they're all going to have a say. They're all going to evaluate the quarterbacks. Then they're going to stack the board. And I can tell you, one of the tenements of one one of the, the tenants, tenants. tenants sorry yeah. one of the tenants of the Packers people who came up under Ron Wolf and then Ted Thompson is you'd never reach for a player so they will stack the board if it's Marvin Harrison at three they'll take Marvin Harrison if it's a tackle it's a tackle uh, it is way too early in the process to say that the Patriots are leaning okay. one way or the other. Could they use a quarterback? Do I think at the end of the day they will pick a quarterback at three? Yeah, probably. Okay, once again, you're just giving me a purely football analysis, which is good. When ownership gets involved, you know it's different, Greg. And when it comes to that position, that kind of draft pick, the Crafts wouldn't be the first to say – we need a quarterback on this. We need a franchise quarterback for our organization. And it's not even, it's beyond a football call. And you know what I mean when I say that. So you're, There aren't many owners that don't get involved in this. Okay, so Green Bay didn't have that guy. It's a little bit of a different dynamic there, thankfully. Here you have an owner, and it's a business. And so do you think they are involved on that? I, 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 I think, of course, they're involved on that level. You think they might not be? At this point, no. At some point in time, sure. But it's February 7th. I mean, let's see what happens. Well, no, but that's when an owner says, uh, no, we're sick of not having a quarterback. We're getting a quarterback. And they don't bother with all the reports. That's fine. What about free agency? What about trades? What if they go and get a veteran? What if they sign Kirk Cousins? What if they say the best thing for us is to to uh, sign Kirk Cousins or Jacoby Brissett or Gardner Minshew or whoever and then – Make sure we have our draft evaluation right, which isn't for another, like, two months after free agency. It's February 7th. It's way too early for that. Do I think ownership is going to get involved and have a say? Yes, but not on February 7th. Okay, it's too early for the board to be stacked. I agree. It's not too early for an owner to say, we're taking a quarterback. I'm sorry. I just think that's the way it goes. That's fine, but I'm sure sure ownership, they're going to get together at some point, probably before free agency. And the, the crafts are really good about asking probing questions, and they will say, "So what's the plan at quarterback? What are what are we doing? What would and and those guys? I can tell you, Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith and those guys, they will have a plan. They will say, "This is what we envision, and if this doesn't work out in free agency or trades or what have you, then we are prepared to. We really we're leaning towards this direction in the draft. Where are you leaning, big boy?" nowhere really but uh i haven't really studied these guys but i i i like the top no i like the top (laughs) i like the top three guys in the draft i don't know if that's going to hold up under more scrutiny but i like all three of them um i think that drake may has justin herbert like potential i think Jaden daniels i'm a little bit scared off by uh his slight build um but he's an outstanding playmaker and that has to be weighed. I'm, I doubt, I'm not taking a tackle at three. If I'm taking a tackle, I'm trading down. I'm certainly open to people coming up for Marvin Harrison Jr. or one of the quarterbacks. And if I can get two first-round picks considering where this team is, I have to seriously consider that. 
If the Patriots' ownership is not pounding the table for a quarterback, I'll be stunned. Of course. I'll be stunned. I think that's a given. And again, it's not just a football thing. It's a business thing. It's a a franchise thing. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, and uh, they hopefully that they listen to the football people and not the ownership people, which is hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, the owners sit in that room. It's not just for the, the pitchers on NFL Network. The owners are in the room on draft night, and there's a reason. Okay? And so it's like... You know, if there's, there's going to be no uh, rogue decision-making here. There's going to be no uh, mutiny. You, you, uh, this is our team. It's not yours. They're there for a reason. And, you know, when the rubber meets the road, you know, the, the owner looked at his team and says, we need a quarterback. And he, what do you think? You know, you, you, Mac Grow or Elliot Wolf is going to say no, Robert. Like, it doesn't work that way. Well, so I was just going to say, and in this particular case, it's hard enough to do when – you know, you're in an organization with an owner who's been around forever and has all kinds of clout, let alone now in an organization where you have a bunch of first-timers doing their jobs. They're going to want to please the owner. They're going to want to please the owner. Damn this straight. Is, this is a big reason why they were Damn all straight. hired. If they draft a tackle, trade down, do something like that, they come out of that draft room and the owner's looking at him like, you better be right. If they draft the quarterback, they're slapping him on the back. Good job. You did the right thing. You did the obvious right thing. So all those dynamics, I think, are at play. Uh, I promise. Back to your phones. Long commercial-free segment next with the big boy. Michael Felger, Tony Maserati, and who knows who, live from Radio Row at the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas. Presented by DN Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip. Choosing your move day winner is a short bet with DN Van Lines on 98.5 The Sports Hub. There's a report out there that if Elliot Wolf takes over the front office, he could go tackle at three. I think that's crazy. Nuts. <laughs> well, if you think the guy is like Tony Baselli or like an all-time guy, I have no problem with that whatsoever. There used to be a belief that it's a safe pick. I did the, the my first game this year was Titans at the Saints, okay? The Saints traded up to get Trevor Penning in the first round. Terrible. Cannot play. Now, he was the 16th pick or whatever, but they traded up to get him. They had to bench him like three or four games into the year. Hey, and the guy that was playing left tackle for the Titans, Andre Dillard, the Eagles took him to be the heir apparent to Jason Peters. Can't, can't really play. So that that's two first-round picks in that game that cannot play. So I think the safe thing is overrated. I will say, like, Joe Alt from Notre Dame. Remember Dad yeah, John yeah, yeah, and uh, and Olu from Penn. I mean, those guys are really, really good. But they need a quarterback. I mean, I'm gonna, I would lose my mind Thank if the you. Patriots have the third pick and don't take a quarterback. They Thank have you. to take a quarterback. More from uh, Ross Tucker. I'm with Beetle and Zoe yesterday. Good spot. That's why I listened to it, recorded it, played you some uh, cuts from it. You can listen to the whole thing at 98.5thesportsup.com where all of our interviews live. Yeah, even Ross Tucker, former former offensive lineman. I, I have respect for that take because you know this. 99 times out of 100, what does the former offensive lineman say? Tackle. You got to take it. I'm running. I'm yeah. running the ball. Build from the inside Build out. Building from the inside out. Even Ross Tucker's like, no, no, you need a quarterback. I'll lose my mind if they don't take a quarterback. I would say that of most players, like Steve Young was siding on the, uh, the or landing on the side of quarterbacks in general, which I'm not surprised by, because he was one. 
Anyway, back to your phones here with Greg Bedard. Here is a, a lot of been waiting patiently since we came on. You want to weigh in on Lombardi. We're going to get back to that with Greg as well. So we're going to mix in uh, all these thoughts. Here's Dave in the car. Dave, thanks for hanging on. What do you got? Hey, thanks a lot. Um, here, here's my take. I don't think I've heard anyone uh, bring this up over the last three months, whatever. But I think Belichick was the biggest bulletproof vest that the crafts have ever had. And what I mean by that is the guy's not going to talk. You're not going to hear a tell-all and all that stuff that we're talking about and we're waiting for. But, I mean, here's the thing. Do you remember last spring when it was uh, Lamar Jackson's a free agent and they say, okay, Lamar Jackson, they ask, you know, they ask Kraft, okay, yeah, we'll go talk to Belichick. And Belichick kind of, like, snickered, like, oh, yeah, right, whatever. Like, we're going to sign Lamar Jackson for $40 million or $50 million a year or whatever. I think this guy has been the biggest bulletproof vest. And you think about it, it's like... Okay, well, I'm going to stop you. I think, yes, I think Bill has taken a lot of bullets for what are really ownership decisions. I know Greg and I have, uh, Bedard, have disagreed with uh, on this over the years. But, Greg, we are now getting some evidence when it comes to the coaching staff anyway because Belichick is gone and they're still bringing in coaches who are being paid by other teams. They're still, and again, you heard this at the Senior Bowl in, 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 in Mobile, Mobile, not paying their coaches very much. They're at the low end of that market. So it's, it's, it, I, at least on this front, the staff front, are you coming a little bit more to my side of the street? Certainly at the, at the end of the day, and we, we talked about this um, as soon as Belichick was done here, uh, that the crafts are now on the spot. I mean, they, you know, their decision to go with Mayo, but also their decision on, you know, how much they are willing to pay and expand things such as the coaching staff, the front office, sports science, analytics, all this stuff where, you know, other teams like the Philadelphia Eagles probably have like 60 people under football operations and the Patriots have like 20. I, some of that was Bill. There's no question about that. But if it continues going forward, there's no question that the crafts have a big role in it. And, and the more you hear about this whole search and what they're doing, you hear money brought up among NFL people in terms of why they're not doing more, expanding more searches is because the money's not there, that the crafts aren't willing to, to spend to keep up with the other teams in the league. Tyler in New Hampshire has a thought. Go ahead, Tyler. Felger, hey, man, before I get into my point, I just want to say I think you're a hero for what you did to Lombardi yesterday. God bless you. Um, why also is nobody else talking about the fact that if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl and Andy Reid goes off into the sunset, how is it not going to happen that Eric the enemy is going to end up on the Chiefs? I think people are talking about it. Okay. How come Eric Bieniemy is not a consideration here, Greg? Uh, great question. Um, probably too expensive. Uh, I think that the going rate for NFL coordinators now, especially when you look at what college guys are getting paid, it's five, six, seven million dollars. I don't think the Patriots are willing to go that far. I'm sure Bieniemy was making a lot of money uh, with the Commanders, and look, they're still. He's he's another guy who is a very strong personality uh can be tough on players there there's a whole bunch of stuff with the enemy that some people just don't like 
uh, which I, is obvious, but the money thing, I, I just get stuck on the money. He's so, I like, the crafts don't even get to that point because, well, we're not going to pay that kind of money for an offensive coordinator at this point. It's like. Because the good guys cost money. Oh, yeah, no, no, you just got to shop at the dollar store, as Greg said. <laughs> Sean in Salem. Go ahead, Sean. What do you got? Fielder, how are we doing? Okay, so if Mayo's contract with the $10 million buyout was agreed upon a while back, like we said, probably before last year, wouldn't that have been Bill that put that contract together like he has with all his other coaches? And if that's the case, was that Bill thinking to it? Yeah. Sean! You really think Bill Belichick? You really think Bill Belichick is signing his next, the guy to take his job? You think that's a Belichick contract? Are you freaking nuts? No way. Yes, wait, you didn't let me finish. It would have been a self-preservation knowing that, listen, Robert, you're going to make the decision. It's either him or me. It would have been his last line of defense. That makes no sense to me, Sean. Thanks for the call. You're on crack. Sean's usually on the ball. I think he's off on this one. He's not even close. Bill Belichick's going to sign the contract of the guy who's going to take his job? Yeah, no, no, no. Bill's going to let – I mean, uh, the crafts are going to let Bill run the team even when he's not here. Right. (laughs) Bill doesn't get that call. And, Greg, you can weigh in on this. That was Kraft's decision. And it helped undermine the season, right? Wouldn't you say? 100%. That was the Crafts put out the the press release. That was their deal. Bill just sort of said, yeah, you know, whatever. And he hated it. And it helped to undermine the coaching staff this year and helped, you know, it probably contributed to them going 4-13. and I'm not saying that's all of it, but it didn't help. That's for sure. In fact, who was it that reported that Bill was tweaked by that whole thing? Was it Wickersham? I can't was it remember. in that Wickersham story? I Somebody so. reported that. And also, Man, just ridiculous. Just look at the staff that Mayo's putting together. How many Belichick guys, especially how many guys on the offense? How many guys is he retaining? There was there was a huge problem within the walls on that coaching staff. I know I got a lot of blowback for saying that Mayo rubbed people the wrong way. That was the least of it. Well, what was the rest of it? Just. You know, stuff that went on. (laughs) Let's go, big boy. Yeah, Yeah. tell us. That's all right. Well, no, the Wickersham story had that anecdote about how they were in a coach's meeting and Mayo's there swinging a bat, not even listening. Because I got $10 in my back pocket Exactly. A-holes. And I'm getting it one way or the other. You can suck on it. Great. Great. You can go pound sand. You can't hear. You obviously can't hear us here. I said in the last commercial break, I feel like you have more with Mayo and you're just not saying it yet. You're not ready to report it. Uh, look, I, I, <laughs> look, I reported what I reported. Gerard Mayo is now the head coach of the New England Patriots. Uh, that stuff's in the past. Oh, God. Now we judge him on his record now. What he's doing is coaching moves, uh, the players, what he does in game. You know, now the scoreboard starts. No, 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 it doesn't. Nothing's in the past. We, we regurgitate and circle back if it serves content purposes. And so that's the, we're not going to let you off the hook like that. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you off the hook right now, but, but we haven't forgotten, Greg. You're sitting on something. No, no, we got now got Ben Bradley on the Felder and <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Walter Cronkite there, Mr. Fairness. Uh, give me a break. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's get Greg's thoughts on some of the things Lombardi had to say yesterday and your calls, I promise, after Murray gets you updated here. 90 seconds, no commercials. Want to get thank Jack Pocket for their sponsorship of the 3 o'clock hour here on Radio Row. Our coverage of Radio Row all week long is presented by DN Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip, but choosing your move day winner is a sure bet when you move with DN Van Lines. Again, no commercials, just the headlines, and we're right back. B-Pod Studios. The Felgram Mass Podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Are you ready for this? Do, 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 do. It's Felger and Mass. 
stupid. My uh, God. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. You Are know, we and others dumping too much dirt on Bill Belichick? Oh, my God. You're killing him. I mean, the guy won six Super Bowls. Now, I know. I know. Look, I, I got two rings. I know Brady did everything from the janitorial services in the building to winning the Super Bowl. I get that. And I love Tommy to death. And I appreciate everything. I really do. But you, you have no idea. Nobody has any idea. I said it to Skip Bayless, too, who basically called Belichick a glorified defensive coordinator. And I, and I sent him a tweet, which I, I don't know if he read it or not. But I said, you have no idea what you're talking about. Unless you've been in that building, you have no idea. And you've never been in the building. So you guys are killing them and you don't really you won't appreciate the greatness of a great coach so what like a lot of people so what happened how come it's so bad if he's so great how'd it get so bad well i think it got bad like a lot of teams get bad right you, you know you miss on a quarterback i think that's pretty clear you thought you had a really good quarterback you made some mistakes in hiring andy reed hired juan castillo to be his defense coordinator from the offensive line that ran him out of philadelphia i think you make some mistakes and your margin for error is smaller and I think ultimately, I think what, what, what Dietrich Wise said this year was true. We, we have a bad record. We don't have a bad team. I think if you put a quarterback on that team, the narrative would change. Hour number two. Sorry. Hour number three. It's four o'clock. Are you confused? Because it's the second hour of Bedard. We're doing a big boy Wednesday. Greg Bedard, uh, Bedard joins us back in Waltham at our Town for Tire Studios. Felgram Mass here, obviously, are at the Super Bowl in Vegas. Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Radio Row, our presenting sponsor all week long on Radio Row, is DN Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip, but choosing your move day winner is a sure bet when you move with DN Van Lines. Our hourly sponsor, the 4 o'clock hour, is brought to you by Dedham Savings. So thank you for their sponsorship here of this hour. The DraftKings Sportsbook remains the Felger and Maz uh, Grand Poobah presenting sponsor. But Greg Bedard, uh, I don't know if you, you heard the Lombardi interview yesterday, but your thoughts on it in general and more specifically, really sort of drawing a target on Mac Jones as the problems here in New England. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I enjoyed it immensely, Feg Fegler. And also, <laughs> if, if he's Jessup, then Maz must be Lieutenant Weinberg over there. Uh, I did. I kept anything. quiet. I have no responsibilities here whatsoever. Um, but the thing that probably irritated the most was about him saying that they picked the wrong guy at quarterback. Um, first of all, it's it's completely hypocritical of everything that he says about how it wasn't the quarterback. Um, now it's the quarterback's fault, which you, you pointed you. out. But also, what happened to all the talk about uh, we can win with any of the top 15 quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. It's our system. Our system is what does it. It's not the quarterback. We can win with any of them. And also about his comments about the Colts when they lost Peyton Manning and went, went one in 15, and he says, you know, basically, like, that's never going to be us. We never want to be in that position. And they ended up being in that position. But you also look at, you know, and I know Mike mentioned, like, he should have gone out and gotten a veteran guy. But at the end of the day, that's Bill's decision. Again, all of these decisions were Bill, and he put himself in this position. I mean, did it did it kill the Eagles when Carson Wentz, who was the MV, playing at the MVP level of the league, went down? No, they won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. Did it kill the Niners when they traded up all these first-round picks to get Trey Lance? No, they found Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they found um, Brock Purdy. Did it kill the Seahawks when they signed Matt Flynn to a big free agent deal and he didn't work out? No. They drafted Russell Wilson in the third round. I can go on and on 
about all these teams. John Shula loses Bob Greasy in the middle of the perfect season. They still go undefeated and win the Super Bowl with Earl Morrill. Like, all these other teams can go on without a quarterback, without a superstar quarterback, and win, let alone go 4-13. and 13. But Bill Belichick can't, and that was Mac Jones' fault. To me, that just it, it just just irritated me to no end. So Mac Jones was a clear target. How about, did Bill even want Mac Jones in the first place? Uh, we, we hit on that. Jimmy, we're going to go to number 21, if you could, please. The abbreviated cut number 21. Did Bill even want Mac Jones in the first place? Do you get the sense that Bill wanted Mac Jones at the beginning? What, what, what do we call the beginning? The drafting of Mac Jones. Uh, no, I, I think he felt like there was a lot of people in the building that liked Mac. I'm not sure that 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 he felt like, and I don't want to speak for him. He can certainly speak for himself. But I think there were other variables in play, too. And I think the reason you saw them not trade up to get the quarterback is because they felt like maybe if they didn't get Mac, they could get another player. So and I think that when you go back and really study the year that Mac had as a rookie when Josh was there as the quarterback coach, I think you could see there were things that Josh did really well with Mac that haven't been done since then. But Mac made when, you know, they come off that bye win and they win in Buffalo on the and where he only throws three passes and they go in Indianapolis on that Sunday night game. You know, he has two turnovers in that game that have a chance to win the game and they can't quite get it done and mac has been a player that has been i don't want to say mistake prone but has not made the plays that you need to make at the right time okay there he he packed in about four excuses in there okay the first you asked him point blank did he want mac jones at the draft his answer he felt like there was a lot of people in the building who liked him yep so that's immediately number one well, that was that was the consensus. Bill went along with it. But they wanted collaboration. He gave him collaboration. Everyone else wanted the guy, so mm-hmm. Bill went along with it. Don't look at Bill. That wasn't his choice because if it really was, maybe you would have seen a trade-up. If there wasn't, Bill thought, or you could have taken a quarterback later. So Lombardi's telling you that, that Bill was not the driver on Mac Jones. I mean, now, again, have reporting that they wanted Davis Mills later, which we suspected anyway, but go ahead. He slipped in there. There was a lot of other variables in play. Okay, so I don't know if that's ownership involvement or whatever the case may be. Other variables in play not related to Bill Belichick's decision-making. Excuse number two. He probably wanted Micah Parsons. He was going to trade up and then take Mills later. Number three, and this he, he has to go to Bill, and, he, and Lombardi, in fairness, did sort of put this on Bill, the coaching hires in year two. But they had coached him up. Hey, we, we did a good job with him right out of the shoot. Josh had him doing things that we don't, you know, they haven't really been doing since. And do you remember... We were the number one seed coming out of the bye, Mac Jones's rookie year. They sure were. They were the number one seed after that win game in Buffalo. They had the bye. They were the number one seed for like two weeks, and, oh, we're replaying with ourselves. And then they come out, and they go to Indy, and Mac Jones throws two interceptions. And, and, and Lombardi's saying that that's where it started, right there, his decision-making, right there, that Indy game. That's where it started. Right, that's where he undermined the season. And by the way, Bill held him to three throws in the Buffalo game, which they won. Then they went to Indianapolis, and he gave the ball back to Jones, and Jones puked on it. Greg, your thoughts? So as far as the drafting of Mac Jones, I think that um – I think that Bill let the board come to him. At the at the end of the day, his name is on the draft pick. I think that they would have entertained other things had people been there like Elijah Vera Tucker. 
or maybe somebody wanted to trade up, they would have been comfortable trading down. I think this was a situation where Bill Belichick had Mac Jones rated higher, but not that much higher than Davis Mills, and he would have been fine if that was the consolation prize. But at the end of the day, he picked him. It's it's his pick. I just think also, you know, what's convenient for Lombardi is, of course, all of these guys don't talk about how annually the Patriots' defense – the last four or five weeks of the season was god-awful, including that Colts game where they could have gotten off the field and instead gave up a long touchdown run. Uh, you know, it, they, they love to leave this stuff out because it makes Bill look better. Uh, we're just reliving some of it before we go back was, to your Was one of those picks, Jones, who in that game, a pick six? I, don't, I, have a I think they were both red zone, as I recall. I don't think that's it was right. It felt, it felt like uh, that was red zone. They were hurtful. I think yeah. one, one was coming out. I remember the, the linebacker. Uh, diving and leaping. It, I think it was in the Patriots' end. Uh, the other one might have been a red zone. Uh, but they still they they still had a chance to come back and win that game, but they couldn't get a stop. I just loved how suddenly the scoreboard... It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, uh, number 20. Lazy narrative. Number 20, Jimmy, the scoreboard. I and I know you got to do it, Michael. I know you have to do it, and scoreboard. I appreciate you having me. Scoreboard, my Scoreboard. Ass. Scoreboard. Scoreboard. You, you just you know, that right there like that. Like, that's a T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> scoreboard my ass. Like, all of a sudden. Does he mean, like, put a scoreboard on your ass? <laughs> but it's like, you can all, scoreboard my ass? All that matters is winning. It's all that matters. I said, we know this. And then you put up Bill's record in the scoreboard, and it's scoreboard my ass. No, like everything else with Bill Belichick, it only matters in the context and, of his argument. And, and by the way, let me just say real quick, I, I, I don't mean to be dumping on Lombardi subsequently. We're just following up on this. I, I, I appreciate his stint. I think it was a great spot. I hope he does it again. I, I, we shook hands at the end of it. I have no ill will towards the guy. I don't mean to keep dumping on him, but I think it's worthy of a follow. And I, I just, you know, this stuff stood out to me about how suddenly the scoreboard, you know, vehemently, the score, the scoreboard my ass. Like, that's a that's a great line. Just 20. Hit it again, Jimmy, the whole thing. I, and I know you got to do it, Michael. I know you have to do it. And scoreboard. I appreciate you having me. Scoreboard my scoreboard. ass. Scoreboard. Scoreboard. You, you, you know, scoreboard. When he was winning, you wouldn't give him credit. It was somebody else. It's like well, that's at true. some point, <laughs> you have to be. Your knowledge of the sport is so much about the scoreboard. You should read Walsh's book, The Score Will Take Care of Itself. Okay. And I'm supposed to read a Bill Walsh book here about no, well, that's your fault. The yeah. score will take care of itself. Uh, Greg, final thought here before we hit a break and come back with some phones. Uh, there was one uh, Lombardi. Oh, oh, when you guys were asking him about uh, his relationships, about how he always had functional relationships and whatever, oh. I was hoping that Lieutenant Weinberg was going to chime in with Malcolm Butler, ask him if, if Bill was doing the right thing there. Was he always about winning in that game? Well, let's just get to that one then. Uh, Greg, Lieutenant Weinberg did not speak at the trial. Jimmy, the full one. <laughs> Do you no- understand that? Number seven, the full one, please. I strenuously object. Is that then they get into this last year, and it felt like to most people, and it's been reported or speculated that Bill sort of intentionally hung him out to dry to prove a point to him or to the owner or to whoever, and right. it was just that downward spiral, Michael. Michael. Are you buying that? Some of it, yes. You sure. probably buy that Lee Oswald was on the sixth floor, too. But look, let me say this to you. I think if you know Belichick a little bit, right? If you know Belichick just a little bit, you would know that winning is the most important thing. See, this shows you how naive you are, and this shows you how you really don't know the guy you've been covering for as long as you have. Because if you think there's one ounce of him, one ounce, that he doesn't want to win, he's put everything into his life of course to win. He wants, he wants so to win would you tell way, me that he was sabotaging the game? 
then you don't really know the guy. I didn't really say sabotage. No, the you game. said no. You said he deliberately kept him in to prove a point. To, to prove a no. He, he thought he was no. losing anyway. Did you watch the Kansas City game? Did you watch some of these games? I, do, do you think I he played to win? Of, do you think he played to win against Kansas City when he kept punting on fourth and short in the, uh, in the second half of that game? I think he was playing a game that he knew that if the more he let his quarterback play, how much more evidence did you need? I watched every single Patriot game. I watched every single Patriot tape. I watched everything. And if how many times, like I would scream at the television, put the other guy in. But the other guy wasn't any good either. The other guy wasn't any good either. So it was like you're going from bad to badder. And at some point, you've got to sit there and say to yourself, like, okay, like we should have signed a veteran quarterback. We should have brought somebody else in. And, look, if you think for one minute there was some conspiracy that he was trying to lose, again, you know, I mean, there was a single shooter, and that bullet did all that stuff in Dallas. You believe it, I'll, you go with it. So that, that started, I actually got called for the wrong cut. Uh just real quick, because I, because I just want to get to it now. Uh, number 22, Jimmy, is where we really got into that. Why did he mention Mac Jones' name from the end of uh, his second year into the middle of training camp? And, again, I'm just roughing that there. But there was a, <laughs> about, 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 about six are, months. Are we going where, to Dairy Queen after the game here he or what? Mention, like, like, you have name. to mention his name? I mean, seriously. Are Do you we, think that was a functional good relationship? Let, let's and Bill, play, and uh, we'll got to have everybody play right field. Do you think they had a good functional relationship? And, and of course, he said, of course, he's, he's had a good functional relationship with everybody, which was, again, preposterous, as he just mentioned. Malcolm Butler, Ted Johnson, Drew Bledsoe, Bernie Kosar, Tom Brady, Matt Jones at the end. Go down the line. He's a million. Or you can go way longer list than that. Dis Richard Seymour, Stephon Gilmore, Thank Logan you. Mankins. Anyway, good. Ted, we work with one of the guys. Yeah, I, I just yeah. mentioned Ted Johnson, exactly. So, uh, yeah, revisionist history. Th that, I thought, was his worst bit of sort of... Rump swabbing? Yes, for Bill Belichick. Yeah, the, 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 the line about the Dairy Queen thing, like, look, I get that. He's indicting Mac Jones on that one, and there's probably some truth to that. That, like, Mac Jones is sensitive, needs to get the love, like, absolutely true, but don't, in the same breath... You can't say that Bill had a good – Bill had crappy relationships with most people. There were a handful – he had his hand-picked guys in every locker room that ran the operation for him. That, okay, back that, to he – was, He was only about winning. You can't tell me that when Malcolm Butler didn't play a snap on defense. Like, if you don't want to start him, if you want to bench him for some reason, fine. But once they were getting torched by Nick Foles, he has to be on the field or Bill isn't about winning. Best example of all time. This is Malcolm Butler. You say you just if you don't you think anything else, then you don't know the guy. I I, I I do know the guy, followed the guy. If it was just about winning, where was Malcolm Butler in that Super Bowl? Well, that story will come out. Okay, well there's that too. And I just want <laughs> Seth Wickersham, among others, have reported the thing about Mac Jones. How did Mac Jones stay in those games for so long? Why was he in there? And again, Wickersham writes, tensions grew so severe this season that Belichick was said by a confidant to have waited so long to bench struggling quarterback Mac Jones out of spite for the owner. Quote, it was an F you to craft, a source close to Belichick claimed. So that, You've never been that in the building, Mike. You've never I've been never in the building. In the you building. don't know. This is true. This is true. All right, get back to your phones, I promise, after these words. Elgar and Naz bring you the wonder, the excitement.
excitement, the thrill of Radio Row Week. Live from the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas. Presented by DN Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner as a coin flip. Choosing your move day winner as a short bet with DN Van Lines. On 98.5 The Sports Hub. Do you think like Bill had a good functional relationship with Mac Jones? I don't know. I've never seen the two of them. Oh, so now you don't know? Wait a minute. I, I thought you were inside the walls, and I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, you don't. Do you think that's Bill, true. Do you think Bill had a good true. functional relationship with Mac Jones? I think he's had a good functional relationship with everybody. Oh, yeah. Look, I think to me, you, you don't <laughs> want to handle the truth. <laughs> that's Some why the players... guy ended up in Tampa. He's had a good functional oh. relationship with everyone. Oh, come do you, on. Do you believe do you really, that, Mike? Do you believe? Do you think he's had a good you, functional you really relationship with everybody? in Tampa? I think there'll be one day that'll come. Now, I think to me, some players don't want the truth. Well, that, and fine. some players don't want to hear the truth. And some players want to go to Dairy Queen he's, after the game and celebrate. Had, he's and had a play- good functional relationship with everybody. Oh. Now, that's fantasy land, Mike. Look at that, all the players that, that support is right there. That There's is PR, no, PR shilling. No, he's had not. a good functional relationship with everybody? Well, look. Look. Players Come that, on. Players that you tell the truth to, you're not going to have a good relationship with. And you're going to have to tell the truth to some players. Like, at some point, you're the leader of the team. You can't make everybody happy. Uh, you just can't. You're not going to make everybody happy. I mean, Mayo's going to have to make some tough decisions, too. You're going to have to make some ruffle some feathers. And you're going to have to observe it. And you're going to have to use your expertise to critique it. Because, to me, you're going to ruffle feathers. Look, when we were in Cleveland together, you know, we you didn't cut players. He had a good functional relationship with Bernie. Kozar, let no. me tell you, that was oh, good. That was yeah. a good one. Because Bernie wouldn't accept the fact yeah, no, that he couldn't throw the ball to me to that guy over there. Bernie's fault. I mean, it's so Mac's fault. I got it. I mean, you, you, well, if you want to know the truth, I'll tell you the truth. Let's if you it. want to have revisionist history, let's again, it. let's go to the sixth floor. I mean, if you really want to do that, like, at the end of the day, Bernie couldn't make a throw. Bernie would come over to the sideline and say, Bill, why are you pulling me? I'm, I'm, I'm 10 for 11. He threw for 32 yards. Like, at some point, it's not just the coach's fault. Don't you get it? When you suck, it's Mac Jones. We didn't have the quarterback. It's Bernie Kosar. He couldn't throw it more than five yards in the air. But when you're winning, oh, no, no, no. Well, that's everybody. Don't you see? You think it was all Brady, but you don't know. You're not inside. The, you don't understand what it takes to bring that all together. I think they wanted it both ways there a little bit. It's consummate Belichick. Again, oh. like I, to me, it's really about Bill. That's just, that, you know, again, uh, Lombardi just sort of reflects how Bill feels and how he does things, and he's loyal to him, all of which I get. But the, the Bill thing is to, consistent to me with what he's been forever. Before I go, He'll take the credit. He won't take the blame. Still doing it. Before I go back to the phones, quickly, you, I'm sure you heard the line there, Greg, where I say, you know, how could he have a functional relationship with Brady, the guys in Tampa? And Lombardi says, well, you know why that happened in Tampa. I think one day that'll come out. Like, what do you think he's hinting at there? I think it's going to be about uh, ownership involvement with Garoppolo and, you know, it could be also the franchise tag and things like that. Basically, ownership involvement on multiple levels. Okay. So, you know what? We left out the Garoppolo part because that's, that's a big part of the yeah. story. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Bill was, would have said. I had a transition. Correct. Until the owner started sticking his nose in there. And then I had to lose Garoppolo. And then he said Brady didn't, he wasn't going to get the franchise. And now I'm sitting there with no recourse. And, you know, that's not the way I wanted that whole thing to go. Right. But Bill still, as we know, pouted and took Danny Etling in the seventh round and made no attempt to replace Garoppolo. Back to your phones. A lot of you been waiting patiently. David and Lynn, thanks for hanging on so long. What do you got? Hey, how you doing, guys? I just want to say... I thought 
I knew Lombardi was in the Belichick camp, but his bias is laughable. And, Mike, I just wanted to say you were very professional. Oh, yeah. I agree with a lot with what you said, but when you when you said you were waiting for Belichick to reach out to you, I left my bite off. And I just want well, I know I, I didn't quite say that, what, uh, or that's not what I meant. What I meant was I've been waiting for Bill to tell his side of the story. That's what I meant because uh, I don't think he really has. I think Bill's been getting dumped on with the Wickersham story, the reporting in the Boston Herald, the reporting in the Boston Sports Journal, uh, but really more the athletic, the Herald, Wickersham story. I feel like there's been a lot of stuff. I can feel ownership in there dumping on Bill, and I've been saying I've never really, I don't think I've heard Bill really fire back yet, and I've been waiting for it. And I think yesterday we heard from Bill. That's I, I wasn't about me personally, although Lombardi took it that way too. <laughs> Uh, we've got uh, Kevin in Hingham. Kevin, thanks for hanging on. What do you got? I, I thought the Lombardi interview was one of the best since Henry walked into your guys' studio. So I'll go, please never change him. That was too good. Incredible stuff. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me is that he kept saying, you're missing part of the story. So my question is, like, how much time has to pass or what more has to happen before we get Belichick's side? Because sadly, I don't think we're ever going to get it. Yeah, once he's no longer courting owners for jobs, you'll have a chance. When he's got nothing, you know, now he, he wants back in. So he knows he can't go both barrels at Kraft because if he goes both barrels at Kraft, that's going to reflect poorly on his next job interview. That next owner is going to say, well, you're just going to hammer me on the way out the door too. So, you know, Bill has to tread lightly. And he also probably has a handshake such as it is with Robert on the way out the door. You don't dump on me. I don't dump on you. Even though I feel like the Kraft's fingerprints are over a lot of negative reporting on Bill Belichick. But that's what I think, Greg, that, you know, these things that are being alluded to, we're not going to find out for a little bit. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's going to come out. You know, we'll see if Bill does a book after it's all over. But he's he's not going to do anything to ruffle feathers until he knows he's done. And that could be well down the road. Uh, we got John in Freetown. John, thanks again for hanging on. What do you got? No problem. Great, great. I'm not going to mention that guy's name from yesterday because he's an absolute, as uh, Maz would call him, an asshat. There's two things real quick. One. The only coach to ever win because of a system was Joe Gibbs because he wanted different generations with different quarterbacks. So that, to me, proves that there's actually a system in place, not Belichick winning with one quarterback, as you so rightfully said yesterday, Felga. And the other thing is, who picked the groceries for the last 20 years? So when Lombardi says, oh, you know, we didn't have a quarterback like Cam Newton until July, who signed him? That's it. That's all you. That's correct. I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh, that's when he would throw like the likes of Matt Groh under the bus and okay. blame them. But Lombardi's not an asshat. Lombardi is a Belichick guy, and he's given us his side of the story, which we need, which I'm happy for. There's nothing wrong with that. So, I, I disagree with a lot of what they're putting out there, and I think that Belichick is making a lot of excuses, and he hasn't fully come to grips with the mistakes that he's made, and we're going to call him out on that. But Lombardi's not wrong to come out. And defend his guy the way he sees fit. I give him credit for it. I think it's. I. I thought it was about time, frankly, that someone really stood up for Bill and put it out there. So good for him. I have no problem with Mike Lombardi one bit. I mean, again, it reflects the way that Bill thinks. To me, the the problem that, that's valuable. Of course, it is. I mean, absolutely, it, it is. There, there might be no one else out there who could speak more knowledgeably about Belichick's feelings than Mike Lombardi, other than Bill himself. No, you know what? And even Bill might not be able to do it. Short of Bill himself. Or someone like Bears who doesn't do interviews, never has, you know. But short of Bill himself, that's the guy. That's the guy that's going to tell you 
what that side of the ball is thinking, you know, what Bill Belichick's thinking. That's incredibly valuable. Now, you can come on any time. Do that any time, any day of the week. Uh, we have some more thoughts with Greg Bedard. Uh, and uh, just get a quick thought on him on the Chiefs and Mahomes and all of this. Continue with your calls as well. Big Jim Murray gets you updated first. Kids. Who knows who's in the guest chair now? Live from Radio Row at the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas. It's Belger and Maz, presented by DN Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip. Choosing your move day winner is a sure bet with DN Van Lines on 98.5 The Sports Hub. You probably called more Brady games than other human on planet Earth. That's not even close. Right? Not it's, even close. Uh, okay, it's over 100. <laughs> this was actually researched one time by Stacy James, the great uh, PR man for the for the Patriots. And when I eclipsed 100, he fed this information to the Boston Globe. And second most all time, I believe, was Al. And 59 was the number. But I was over 100. So – Surprisingly, yeah, that yeah. was the second. No, yeah, so you're you're the perfect person to ask. Are you getting a sense of deja vu with the Chiefs again? I mean, does this does it look similar to what we're seeing right now from this team in terms of a dynasty? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're talking four out of five years, and you have a chance to match up something that they did in 0304 and go back to back, the first franchise since New England to win consecutive Super Bowls. You bet. I mean it. It definitely is taking on the same characteristics, a star generational quarterback. I mean, yeah, it's you know, a, a coach that is a first ballot legend and Hall of Famer and Andy. So, yeah, that's, there's some similarities. Yeah. It was Jim Nance uh, on with Rich Eisen. Maz, that cuts to how do you why? Well, because, again, I think Patriots fans aren't going to have a lot to cheer for, so I thought I'd give them someone else to cheer against uh, Jim Nance, who's basically confirming what many people believe, that Patrick Mahomes is on the same track, along with Andy Reid, on the same track as Belichick and Brady were on, call it 17, 18 years ago, or whatever the number, 20 years ago. Uh, so to me, there's a national voice there that, in theory, is a little bit more objective has great connection to Brady and Belichick and the Patriots. As he said, he covered a, or broadcast 100 games uh, during that era and is saying, yeah, there are a lot of comparisons to be drawn between what happened then and what's happening now. I agree with him. I, to me, I, I just thought Nance was a, a good guy to ask that question to. How do you feel about uh, that narrative, uh, Greg? What, what, uh, I know you don't usually delve in that sort of stuff, but do Patriots fans have a right to be protective of their legacy versus the Chiefs? No question. I mean, the Chiefs are basically doing what, what they did. I mean, for Patrick Mahomes to go to six straight AFC championship games in his first six years starting is unprecedented. I think it took, I think it took Brady the year 12 to, to get to six, if, if, if I recall correctly. And so I, I just, it's, it's awesome what they're doing. The, the longevity part is going to be what we measure it. But at this point in time, you can't look at it and say, well, you know, it's not worthy of consideration. It's not worthy worthy about talking about. Uh, it absolutely is what he's done so far, especially if he gets this one. Um, it's It's been incredible to watch. So we're not doing three up, three down, or ten questions with Bedard this week, special kind of week. Just want to take care of the sponsor, though, that if we did do three up, three down, 
It would be sponsored by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Enjoy the game with the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cast matured Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Please drink responsibly. All right, try, try and play the game a little bit, uh, Greg, looking ahead. Who are the three most important players, individual players in this game going forward, do you think? Great question. Um, <clears throat> obviously, the quarterbacks. Uh, we all know that. And, and you know, when I weigh this out, uh, I just think that I think that Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan, as far as offensive play callers, uh, balance themselves out. I like Spagnolo way more than Wilkes as far as the defensive coordinators go. And I like Mahomes over Purdy as far as the quarterbacks go. Uh, but, you know, I think Travis Kelsey uh, will be huge. I think that um, on the 49ers, I think if, if their linebackers and safeties can limit Travis Kelsey, uh, advantage Niners, and I think that Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, those guys are incredible. They're they're among the best in the league. Uh, their their safety play is pretty good. If they can take Kelsey off the board, and that goes from twenty to twenty, but especially inside the red zone, that's a huge advantage for them, and that's what they have to be planning this week. Um, I think offensively, how how Purdy plays in the in the biggest moments. We know that Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to make plays. Purdy showed me a lot last week, especially with that third and long throw uh, in the conference championship game. Um, I am worried about the Chiefs probably not having Joe Tooney in this game. You can get away with it in the AFC where they were, but against this 49ers defensive line, who I think is a, they're a little overrated. Uh, their impact has not been as great as it was earlier on in the season. Could the two-week layoff really help them and, and make their defensive line a big impact in this? Uh, that's a big question for me. But uh, I like the Chiefs slightly in this game. you have a game thought, Mess? I think the game is Spagnolo against Brock Purdy slash Shanahan, but more Purdy because Purdy's the one that's going to have to diagnose in real time. So if San Francisco wins that, then I think they'll win the game. If they lose that, then Mahomes is going to win. I'm with Maz on that. I mean, Spagnuolo has made some of the great quarterbacks, Brady, look like complete ass at the, in these biggest games before. So I think that's a massive advantage for Kansas City. You have a thought there, Greg? I heard you uh, say- yeah, I just think that a, a big thing and a big key early in this game is going to be can, can Spagnolo make the 49ers play in a box? I think the best defensive coordinators have taken away the, uh, the width of the field, especially in the running game against the 49ers. And if you can do that, if you can keep the game in the middle of the field against the 49ers, don't let McCaffrey get loose on the outside. I think, I think Spagnolo would love to fight this fight in close inside the ring. And if he can do that, then that's a really good sign for the for the Chiefs early on. Okay, long commercial-free segment comes your way with calls, I promise, right after the The stars come out for Radio Row Week. It's Felger and Maz, live from the Mandalay Bay Hotel in Las Vegas. Presented by DN Van Lines. Choosing Sunday's winner is a coin flip. Choosing your move day winner is a sure bet with DN Van Lines. On 98.5 The Sports Hub. If you're in the profession that I'm in, what are you, you have to admit you're, you're wrong. You're a media in guy. In your profession, you never admit you're wrong. You're not no. a media I do all the time. You're not a media guy. I, I am now. I write books now. But I admit I'm wrong. Yes, I, me too. I admit I'm wrong. Oh. Constantly. Okay. You don't know. You don't know. Just reliving some of the bickering. Well, he sees the highlights on Twitter. He doesn't listen to the show. I mean, if he did listen to the show, he would have heard you say 
that for people to completely take Belichick's 20 years and flush him down the toilet is stupid. I've actually been defending his the 20 years with Brady. Yeah, again, like, so, you know, but people only see the highlights. They, they don't, no one, no one puts the energy in to actually see what the real thing is, including him. I just enjoyed the bickering. It was good. Uh, wrapping up some calls here with Big Boy and Greg Bedard back in our Waltham Town for Tire Studios. Ben in Attleboro. Go ahead, Ben. Hey, guys. Um, so with the amount of money that the Patriots have to spend to get to the floor this uh, this offseason and whoever's in charge of personnel, do you think they're going to keep spending stupid amount of money on useless special teams only players so we, we can watch guys like Chris Board get half a million dollars a tackle? Well, let's see, Ben. You know, I thought a lot of things would, would have changed with Belichick walking out the door. One thing that hasn't changed is them hiring free coaches and cheaping out on the coaching staff. That has remained. The special team thing, Greg, that don't tell me that they're going to be doing the special team team thing uh, under these new guys like they were under Belichick. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And I, I think that, uh, yeah, the Patriots have to spend. They have to get to the floor. Um, I could see them, depending on how the front office looks at it, and, and look, it's hard to tell what Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith are going to do because they were so overshadowed by Ted Thompson in Green Bay, who Ted didn't do anything. He never signed free agents. He never made trades. He never traded up in the draft. Like He was extremely conservative. I know those guys were burning up phones, like setting up deals, and they would be there, and Ted would, at the last second, said, no, I'm not going to do it. And so it's hard to really judge what they're going to do, but, it, it, you know, they could... I don't think they're going to sit still. I, I I would think that they're going to balance this between the future and also getting better today. That's sort of uh, what those guys have done. Jason's on the Cape. Hi, Jason. What do you got? How you doing, guys? <clears throat> How's the weather? It's mediocre. What do you got? So, you know, we talk. We can start talking about um, Mahomes getting in the same league as Brady, but. What we can't deny is that that Kraft could have won ten when Brady was there if he had put a team around Tom. Okay, so listen, I I mean I don't know if you would you want to go here and relitigate the times they didn't win. No, I mean let's not get ridiculous. Something's always going to go wrong. You win six and go to nine. That's pretty damn good. For the most part, I think they maxed out what they were capable of. Yeah, a couple of spots, but greatest run in Super Bowl history. Yeah, did ownership? They cheaped out in 06. That may have cost them one. They may have they may have stolen one if Edelman, uh, well, excuse me, Wes Welker holds on to the ball. Whatever. If Pete Carroll runs the ball, everything that you did in 2016, you know, goes for not. 2014 goes for not. We can play that game all 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 day long. Nine appearances, six championships. I think you pretty much got what you you deserve there. I mean, on average, they were in the Super Bowl 70. I mean, I'm sorry, they were in the conference title game 75, 80 percent of the time, and they were in the Super Bowl 50 percent. So Mike, what are we talking about? Mike, you yes, know what's Greg. funny is that uh, if this if this continues to go south for the Patriots, if this doesn't work out, these are the type of calls that you're going to get. Oh, like it's going to be remembering the good old days. Like, you know, or d- debating the good old days. Yep. Or digging digging into what was the real story. This is why, again, the Lombardi line yesterday about, well, you know, well, you do know what happened there in Tampa. One day maybe this will come out. Like that? Like that's like just I, I don't want to know. Don't let me know yet. Like, let's drag that one out. Better, it's better if we don't know, because then we can just insert our 
narrative to it. Yeah, we yeah. can we can insert all sorts of wild guesses and have fun with it, versus knowing the actual truth. It's, it's I often say it's often better not to know. Yeah, and when we do find out, I'll call it propaganda from somebody's <laughs> point of view. There'll be some manipulation of the facts. Look, the the, the you know. We're going to sit here like that last caller, though, to go back to that because that's ultimately what triggered Greg's, Greg's thought. We're going to sit here and say they underachieved. Yeah, I'm, I'm not blaming anyone. Is that is that you know they underachieved in winning six Super Bowls and going to nine? They it could was Kraft's fault, according to that caller. Well, they could have won a couple more if they'd spent a little more. They could have lost a couple more if they didn't spend or they right. didn't make a good. Like it's it's there's on both sides of it. So like. Anyone you want to give yourself, I'll take away for you. If Edelman catches the ball, we got seven. Okay, if Pete Carroll runs the ball, you're back to six. If Robert Kraft had just spent in 2006, you probably have seven. Okay. Well, if, they spent no seven and they lost. And if he hadn't gone and spent no seven, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, at the end, 20 is a pretty good sample. And at the end of the day, I think you got the appropriate number. In a well-earned, deserved a number. Uh, Will on Lake Tahoe. What do you got, Lake? Uh, uh, Will, here's another one. Exactly. We, go ahead, Will. I've got I've got a hot tip on this, and I wonder if Greg ever heard anything about this. But uh, what I had heard from some reliable sources is that Butler was concussed in the AFC Championship game, and that is why last minute Belichick didn't like the way he was warming up and pulled him. And uh, you know, before you ask about the he didn't pull him, he didn't pull him. He knew he had him that in. week. What's that? He knew that week that he wasn't playing. Like it wasn't in the game plan. And yet, Bill had him in uniform on the punt team. Mm-hmm. Right, he played special teams, so how much of a concussion could it have been? I mean, it was only one snap. but uh, So I reject the concussion thing on several levels, uh, one of which, maybe the most important of which, is that it's just not interesting to me. It's much better to think that he got into a fight with Steve or there was some sort of uh, catty Instagram post, which I had heard as well, something as catty and as childish as that. For that to me is much better than a concussion. And, oh, by the way, I don't buy the concussion. I, it's a cop out of let's bill off the hook. I just don't. What, all of a sudden now he cares about the uh, the player's well-being? Ask Ted Johnson how Bill feels about concussions. Thank you. Either way, if they suck like we think they're going to suck, this is what we're going to be. That, that's, that point is true. Nick in Maine. Yes, Nick? Hey, fellas. Uh, so I wanted to ask you guys all a question about uh, Mac Jones and the failure of him and, and how it contributed to Bill. So, I was thinking about it, and you guys were just talking about how indie, that indie game was the breaking point for Bill regarding Mac, and I just wonder if that kind of contributed to the worst of Bill's stubbornness these last couple of years. Because I think about it, and I could see him saying that, like, this is what happens when you idiots tell me I have to make this pick or try to do my job for me. I'm going to double down on the guys that I know with Patricia and Judge, and then obviously that was the kiss of death okay. for him. No, that, up to listen. That's just Greg, that's factual, factually inaccurate, what he talked about, about how Indianapolis, uh, first of all, Lombardi didn't say that, that that's what broke Bill right. with Mac. Months later, before the training camp, before the next season's training camp, he couldn't say enough good things about Mac Jones. So he did not get off the Mac Jones train until what happened during the season with Patricia and Judge. That's when everything broke apart. Exactly. I think in hindsight now, for Lombardi and Belichick to go piece this back together, they're going to go back and say, well, when we were, when Josh was here and we were doing this with Mac, we had him in the position where he was the number one. We were the number one seed coming out of the bye, and he went into Indian through two interceptions. Yeah, his and so I don't think that was a breaking point, but I just think Lombardi obviously brings it up to say, no, we were doing okay, and the kid screwed it up. Like, that's what I think he was doing. May- yeah, maybe but- you could say it might be fair for Lombardi and uh, the Bill people, the Bilbos, to say, 
we should have known then that Mac wasn't the guy, that he sort of uh, melted down the stretch. And some people have brought it up, even on this show. Look, the, to me, the, the quarterback is at the center of all of it, going back to Garoppolo and Brady. It was all related to the quarterback position one way or the other, and then you can get into the specifics later. It started with Garoppolo. Then they didn't find him a backup. Then they didn't want, you know, there was a disagreement on Jones or how to build that team. And at the end of the day, Bill wanted his own plan with quarterback. Kraft got involved, and that's how the whole thing fell apart, if you ask me. Okay. Greg, thanks for uh, coming in today. We appreciate it. Miss you. No problem. Are you guys going to U2 tonight? Yeah. yeah. We are. Oh, man. I'm so bummed. It's going to be a good one. We'll send picks. My favorite I'm band. E- I'm excited for you guys. It. Yeah, you guys are going to have a great time. I heard this yeah, show. Yeah, we awesome. will. Suck on it. You know, usually, <laughs> uh, usually, today is a, this day, is for me anyway. I can't speak for anyone else. Recovery day. Oh, my God. Yeah, what happened last night? Nothing. Nothing. That's just nothing. the hockey Nothing. Nothing. I mean, relatively nothing. After the little dust up with Lombardi, I went and had a couple beers, take the edge off. Went and did some TV. Went to the hockey game for the third period, had a Mick Ultra, and that was it. T, right after that, T-U, toes up, people. Fresh as lettuce right now. Could not be happier. A lot of people were disappointed. Mike from Woburn actually texted me. He's like, can I donate to the uh, Long Island Ice Tea Fund? <laughs> Cam and Taunton reaching out via DMs. He's like, you guys going to be a mess tonight? I'm like, you guys are going to be upset. We're not really doing much. That, hockey that, game and sleep. That was Tuesday. Jim. Tonight. Tonight, we'll see. Jim, you got to slip him a few things because I want to Is Felger on sort of psychedelics in front of this big screen? He's going to trip. Oh, it's easy. Well, that's my, that's frankly my comfort zone. I'm actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the few places I'm strong. Strong to quite strong. No, uh, Super Tuesday postponed to Super Wednesday. This is now going to be the big Wednesday. All right. Thanks, Greg. Have a blast, guys. See you. Okay. Here's an update with Murray. 90 seconds, no commercials. we got a couple guests uh, next segment, next hour, I should say, but later on in the hour. So we'll come back right with your phone calls. If you want to get in, this is now to do it. want to thank again Dedham Savings for their sponsorship of the 4 o'clock hour here on Felger Mass. Here comes the 5 o'clock hour. No commercials. Don't go anywhere. For people living with diabetes, this is what a typical day is like. This is what it sounds like managing diabetes with the Mini-Med 780G insulin pump system. Visit MedtronicDiabetes.com slash 780G system to learn more. Systems for people with type 1 diabetes age 7 and over. Prescription required. Warning. Do not use SmartGuard feature for people who require less than 8 units or more than 250 units of insulin a day. See bit.ly slash 780G risks.